why don't you take out your notes? And uh, we're finishing up our uh, series on community and the church. And let me just, let me just give you a little uh, promo for next week and the week after. I'm really excited. As you notice, it, it, we've, we've gone through the book of Ephesians and, and, the, Apostles Paul, and the Apostle Paul and what his, uh, in his writing, how he encouraged the body there in the city of Ephesus to be the church and what it means to be the church and how do we act like the church and what did Jesus do for the church. But it's interesting, he gets very practical at the end of the book of Ephesians and he deals with many specific things. So as we've been going chapter by chapter, you're going to notice that we skipped over a very important chapter uh, and, and some topics about marriage. So I, I don't, I want to say that because I did it with a purpose. Because next week I want to spend the next two weeks finishing out this uh, uh this series on dealing with the topic of marriage and these are so whether you're considering marriage or you are married or or that you pray for married couples or or whatever it is that these two messages are are important and i want you to be here i want you to drag your neighbors here i want you you got to come with me i don't care if you have to bribe them i don't care if you have to bribe them money Give them money to come to church. No, th- these are important messages. So uh, I'm real excited about the next two weeks. Uh, and I believe that it's going to really help a lot of people that are struggling in the areas of relationships. So not even just married relationships, but just relationships as a whole. I think if, if we're to boil everything down uh, in our lives, how many know that when, when relationships are out of order, doesn't it just put so much stress on your life? When, when relationships aren't correct and, and, and we don't know how to deal with each other, there's stress within our marriages. Let me just say this. The word of God has the answers for those things. Amen? I mean, when we really understand and we, because the word of God just doesn't look at the surface. God looks at the heart. And unless the heart is changed and unless Christ can mold and change our lives, uh, we're going to live pretty miserable lives and trying to figure out how to do things on our own. And the Bible has the answers for those things on how we can have healthy uh, relationships. And so what Paul is speaking, when he writes to this church, he writes about very practical things about how we get along together and how we can serve each other and, and how Christ can be magnified in the church and, and, and how we can um, learn to, to really know what God's will is in our life and how we can serve the Lord with our whole heart. So we, we, we've been discussing what the church is and what the church isn't. And, and we, we, we great, made a great definition of what the church is. We understand that the church is made up of individuals who have been called out of the world and now belong to the body of Christ. We know that the church is not a building. This is just something we come to. You are the church. The church is made up of individuals that, that, that we do come together. We assemble together as the body of Christ, but we go out into the world and really the purpose is not just to come to a place once a week for an hour and a half and learn about God and then that's the end of it. That, that would just be meaningless to me. That's just another social club. But the church should be a living breathing organism in the world that changes the world around them. And that's exactly what happened in the first century church, isn't it? They, they accepted Christ. Christ filled them with his Holy Spirit. But it just didn't stay in that one group. It spilled out into the streets. And then that world around them, that culture was literally changed 
by Christ. That people were taking notice of what's the, what's the difference about these Christians? Why, are, why is their lives so different? They made an impact in their world for Jesus Christ. So what's happened over the years in church history is once the church began to assemble in buildings and we made the church the building, we lost our effectiveness. And then people began to say, well, well, my religion is something very personal to me. And we became very inward and not outward. The moment the church becomes inward and looks at our needs and, and what we want to do is the moment we lose our effectiveness and our power for the Lord. So it really, it goes from here out into the world where you affect those you work with, your neighbors, your relatives, that your life has been changed and Jesus Christ has a message for them. And all the things, listen, all the things that people are struggling with, identity and sin and addiction, all boils down to every single one of us are sinners. And that's why Jesus came, to bring good news that you can find forgiveness and healing from your past and your sins and you can be made right with God. Listen, every single one of us in one way or another are trying to make up for the wrong things we've done in our lives. And we have that guilt many times and we're trying to do it through different ways and different avenues and we're trying to do it in ourselves because, because intrinsically in every single one of us there is that stain, there is that guilty feeling of something's wrong with my life. So I'll try to do it by trying to be a better person, by trying to do really well at my job, by trying to raise my kids the right way. But you know what? We miss it because we're just scratching the surface we're not getting to the root of the issue. And the root of the problem is this. It's sin. We are all sinners. Jesus came not for people that were well. Jesus came for sick people. And you're a bunch of sickos. Okay? So am I. We're all sick. And so unless we realize that, we will never become the church that God has called us to be. So when we come together, we come with all our dysfunctions, all our, our messiness and all the junk from our past and we lay it at Christ's feet. And Jesus, because he was perfect and because he was God, went to the cross for you and I to pay the penalty that you and I could never pay. And what he did was he made that relationship between us and God new again, that we are no longer objects of God's wrath because of our sin. We are now friends of God because of Christ. And that's the good news. And until we get to that point in our lives, we're going to try to do it ourselves. We're going to try to be better people. Or, or people use religion as another form of works to try to appease uh, the guilty feelings in their lives because of all the wrong things they did. So the church is us. We are the church that comes together. So Paul writes this letter while he's in prison to this city that was steeped in the occult and pagan worship and Paul gave them instructions on how to be the church, even in the midst of intense immorality and wickedness. And we can see today that it's no different to, to, than today and what we see in our world. So if the church is going to be successful, the church has to be equipped. And, and here's the thing. How many of you know that you don't play sports without the certain equipment, right? You're, you're not going to go out in a baseball field and not have... A, a glove on your hand, right? That's, it's, 
maybe some of you are really good at baseball, but if you've got a ball zinging at you and you catch it with your hands, it's going to hurt, isn't it? If you're a catcher and you're trying to catch a 96-mile fastball without a catcher's mick, guess what? Owie. It's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt. I was listening to sports radio last week, and there was a guy, I forgot what game it was at, caught two home run balls. I don't know where he was sitting in the same, but he, it was, I think he's like the only person ever to catch two home run balls in one game. He didn't have a, uh, he didn't have a um, mitt to catch it with. He said the first one, he goes, it hurt so bad when I caught the first one. And then I guess it, the guy that was batting, it was his first home run ever in the majors. So he gave the ball back to him. Then the second ball he caught, it, it, I guess it, whether it was the first one or the second one, I don't know. But it, it, it ricocheted off his friend. And so he caught it off since he didn't hurt his bat. And then he gave that ball to his friend because he's the one that it hit off first. And he caught it off and said, forget you, bro. Landed in my lap. Sorry. No, I'm just kidding. And he gave it to him. But I thought that was kind of cool. But you don't go into something without equipment. You know, you're not going to climb a rock and scale a wall a thousand feet high without a rope. Now, there's people that do that. And you know what I call them? Crazy. There's actually a guy that free, freestyles climb with no rope. I mean, there's very few people that do that, but that's crazy. You don't climb around without, you need the equipment. And so Paul here, in this chapter, in the last chapter of his letter that he writes, he shares the church on how they are to be equipped if they're going to be successful. So here's what I want you to understand. Jesus equipped his disciples and told them what the word was, what the message was, what their purpose was going to be in the world. Then the apostles equipped the early converts to do the same thing. So Jesus taught the disciples. The early church sat under the teaching of the apostles. And the church was established, and Paul would train them and write them letters and tell them what God's expectation was for them. They had leadership. They had the message that was given to them. Letters that were written to them to help them and to correct them and to correct the way they live and to come against false doctrine. They were warned against false teachers. They were warned against the devil's tactics. And most of all, they had the power of the Holy Spirit within them to accomplish the work that God gave them to do. So Paul, at the end of his letter uh, to the church in Ephesus, gives some incredible insight to the real battle that we're fighting. And here's what I want you to understand. The battles, most of the battles we fight are spiritual battles. You got to understand because with us, we look in the physical and we think, well, I'm going to fight this thing in the physical. If you're going to be a Christian and you're going to try to fight a spiritual battle with a physical mentality, you will lose every single time. Can I give you a prime example of this? As the Israelites were going to go into the promised land to defeat the enemies that were there in Canaan, do you think the Israelites had any kind of military training whatsoever? They were outmanned. They, were, they, they didn't have as much skills. They didn't have horses. They, they had the spears and stuff that they, that they had to make themselves. If you were to look at Israel against all those other nations, whether it was Egypt or anyone else, they were completely completely outnumbered, outmaneuvered. There was no way in the physical eye that you could even begin to think that they could win these battles. But what did the, what did the Lord say to them? He says, I will fight your 
battles. Some of you here today, you need to hear this. Stop fighting your battles in your own strength. Stop fighting because what it's doing is it's draining you. It's causing you to be stressful. And what Paul does in this last chapter, he says to the, to the Ephesian listeners, he's saying, listen, our struggle is not against what you think it is. And the person that we're fighting is someone that you don't see. So you need to understand how to fight correctly or you will live a defeated Christian life and you will lose this battle and you'll end up feeling defeated in your life. And the worst thing in the world is to have a defeated Christian who doesn't understand the victory of the Lord in their life, who doesn't understand the strength of the Lord in their life to face any challenge that may come in their life. And the Lord says, you can make it. You can, you can defeat the things that are before you. You don't have to succumb to those. Even though we go through difficult things in our lives and we go through struggles and trials, that doesn't mean that that thing has to defeat me. Because why? We've got the Lord on our side. We've got the maker of heaven and earth on our side who's fighting for us. What? And so sometimes I think the way we look at things is we look at the situation before us and we say, well, God, what are you going to do here? What did God do with the Israelites? The Red Sea's before them. The biggest army in the world is behind them. Okay, Moses, what are we going to do now? There's no way out. We're either going to drown or we're going to get killed by Pharaoh's army. And what did God do? God put him in that position to show them that he is bigger than the army or the water that he created before them. And so he says, okay, I'll show you. I'll just, like this aisle right here, I'll just part the waters for you. Moses, you've got to listen to me. You've got to trust me. That first event for the Israelites was not just to show off that God is great and mighty, but was for them to trust him to show them that if you can trust me here, there is no enemy in Canaan that will ever defeat you if you trust me. Remember Elijah, he's looking at his servant and all the, uh, the armies are coming around them and, and the servant there was like, well, what are we going to do? I mean, we're going we're gonna to get crushed. And Elijah said, I want you to look up around you. And, and, and Elijah was able to see into the heavens and to see God's heavenly armies all around him. And the servant was able to see it too. And they're like, I never knew that was there. Now you do. And that's why I'm not worried because God is with me and he he has his heavenly hosts around me and I shall not fear. So if we're going to be equipped, we've got to understand that this battle that we're fighting is a spiritual battle, spiritual battle. I believe this message is probably one of the most important messages in our series And I believe Paul saves this for the last in his letter to encourage the church not to give up. So let's look at the scripture there. What does he say to them? The last chapter of Ephesians, as he's writing this from prison, Paul says to them, and finally, be strong in the Lord. I want you to underline that word strong because we're going to dissect some of these words in just a minute. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord And in the strength, underline strength, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of my might. His might, okay? So he says, finally be, I just want to check sure you guys are listening. You guys aren't in my Memorial Day vacation mode, okay? I just want to make sure you're listening. So finally, 
Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes. Underline the word schemes. We're going to look into that word too. Against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against what? Flesh and blood. This is not, you you, you can't just pump some weight, get into shape, and think that you're going to wrestle down the devil and pin him. Physically, ain't going to happen. You're going to lose every single time if you think you're going to do this in your own strength. He says, so we come against, what, what are we wrestling against with the devil? Is it, a, is, it a, is it a physical wrestling? No, what he's saying, what you're wrestling with is his schemes. There's schemes that he comes up with to try to defeat you. He says, for we do not wrestle against what? Flesh and blood, like we're going to, to a physical war, but we wrestle against rulers against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. It sounds like a Star Wars movie, doesn't it? What is going on? And so Paul is warning them, listen, there's something bigger that your eyes don't see that's going on all around you every single day. And if you're not attentive to this, watch out. And he goes, this is how you're going to fight it. Now, now, listen. Some of you are thinking, Pastor, this is getting a little too deep, a little too weird, a little too crazy, all this spiritual stuff, devil, schemes. I, I don't know if I get this. Listen, hang on with me, because when we dissect these words, I believe it's going to encourage you. It's going to help you in your struggle against some of the things. It's going to help bring some definition to why you're struggling with some of the things you're struggling with today. You're going to have a little aha moment. Are you ready for an aha moment? Some of you need an aha moment, and you're going to have an aha moment in just a minute. You're going to say, that's why that's going on. That's why I struggle with those things, because it's a spiritual thing. We've got to fight it spiritually. So here Paul says, most importantly, he says, finally. Paul deals with a lot in his letter here that we've dealt with over the last couple of months, theological issues, relationship issues. However, I believe Paul saves What's very important for the very last part of his letter, he goes, this is how you are going to win the battle in your life. This is how the church is going to make a difference in the world. This is how you're going to make a difference in your world. This is how you're going to fight your battles in a totally different way than the way you used to fight them. And it would drain you and suck the life out of you and suck the joy out of your life because you were fighting these battles the wrong way. How I many you know that when you, when you fight against something and you're not fighting the right way, it depletes your strength that much greater and it tires you out because you're fighting the wrong way. And for many of us, we're just fighting this spiritual walk the wrong way. So here's a couple things that Paul says we must do. These aren't just suggestions. Paul is saying, this is what you must do if if you're going to be successful in your walk with the Lord. So the first thing he says is, listen, you've got to understand this. You've got to walk in power, not in my power. He says this, He says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Now, usually we think of strength and power when we look at a weightlifter or someone that's big and and buff with big muscles like myself. And so sometimes we look to those examples 
uh, to help us with our image of somebody that's strong and, 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 and real vibrant. And we look to that. But he says, listen, it's not strength in yourself. You're not going to win this battle through the Bowflex, right? Through power lifting. You're not going to win this battle. Those things are great. and We should keep our bodies in physical health, blah, blah, blah. We all know that. We never do it, but we know that. We're supposed to be in, in good shape. And, but we're still going to eat hot dogs and hamburgers tomorrow and a lot of calories. But that's okay. So listen, what's the strength? Amen. So what's the strength here? What are we to do? He says, the word there for strength, I want you to look at this. The word there for strength or power is a very interesting word. And it's the Greek word kratos. And here's what that word power literally means. It's, it's a supernatural power. This word is used to describe the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. It's that same word that we read in the word of God, that same power that caused the Roman guard at the tomb of Jesus to fall flat on his face and tremble with fear at the kratos power of God. So it's this visible power, it's demonstrative power in your life to overcome something that you thought you could never overcome without the strength of the Lord. This is God's supernatural power. It's not strength in myself. It's strength in the Lord. So we have to walk in that Kratos type power, that type of supernatural power if we're going to defeat the enemy before us. And we'll get more into this in just a minute. The second thing that Paul says that the church must do, that we must do, is we must be aware of the enemy's or the devil's schemes. Now, Paul, what he does here is he warns the church to be on guard against the schemes or the plans of the devil. So we are to stand against the devil's schemes face to face, not backing down and calling it what is what it is now if you don't think that the enemy doesn't have a plan for your life then you better get your head out of the sand and for some of us here today we've got trapped in a lot of wrong thinking and a lot of wrong things because we listen to the voice of the enemy now you may say well i didn't listen to the voice of the enemy that's for those satan worshipers that got the swastikers on their forehead and they got 666 on their arm you know those are for listen you are so wrong when you think of it that way the enemy is behind all those things that are against christ and he tries to set set things up against the knowledge of christ or the person of christ to distract us away from what christ desires for us so anything that pulls us away from the lord allows us to look at ourselves. what whether it's a it's a man-made device whether it's philosophies of this world the enemy's behind it Giving, giving his pleasure to it because it's distracting people from the voice and the word of God. So you may not think it's your typical satanic thing with the devil running around with a pitchfork and horns on his head and a tail. Come on, people, let's wake up here. You've been watching too many movies, okay? You've been watching weird stuff, okay? Listen, he, he comes the Bible says, in the form of an angel, an angel of light. He disguises himself. He takes that which is good and holy and right, and he twists it and tries to make it wrong. So what he does is, is that thing that is definitely wrong and we know comes against God's word, he'll try to twist that thing and say, 
But it's not that bad. Remember in the Garden of Eden, Eve, is, is that really what God said? Did he really not want you to eat of that tree? Are you sure? Are you sure? Putting doubt in her mind to come against the will of God. And that's why they rebelled. It was the enemy that was behind that, giving that uh, uh, approval. So the word schemes here comes from another Greek word meaning methodos. And, and let me tell you what this word means. It's a compound of two words, meta and odos. The, the meta part of that word literally means with. And odos is a word for road. Now, here's what's so weird about this word schemes. It actually means this. The word here in Ephesians 6, 11 literally means this. The word schemes literally means with a road. You're like, Pastor, what in the world does that mean? You mean the word schemes means with a road? Here's what I want you to understand. You are right when you say methodos. This word schemes is where we get the word methods. But the word methods is not strong enough to bring out the full meaning of the Greek word methodos. So what Paul does here, listen to me closely. What Paul does here is he uses this word to describe the devil as a traveler who travels on a road. And he knows exactly where he's going. He knows exactly what his destination is. The devil is not lost when he knows exactly the plans that he has for this world and for your life. In fact, Jesus described the plans of the devil. He says his plans are this, to come and kill, steal, and destroy. Those are his plans. He knows exactly what he's doing. So what Paul's saying, your mind needs to be open to these plans and understand that he does have a plan for you. Now, does this mean that I freak out and when I'm walking down the street, I carry a cross with me and I'm saying, I rebuke you, Satan. Are you, are you, you know, is that what it means? No, what he's saying is understand his plans, but understand that you have the Kratos power of God in your life to defeat his plans that he had for you or your children, or your marriage, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. So you don't have to walk in that fear. I don't care what the enemy's up to. You know why? I don't have to fear about that because I know I have the power of God in my life. And I know that he wants to destroy me. So here, here's the thing. Hey, here, I, I, can I just be totally practical with you? I'm just going to just lay it out, all right? So I'm just going to tell you the way it is. I know the plans of the enemy is to knock me out. Let's just be honest. Because he, he knows if he can take the leader out, if he can bring destruction to the leadership of a local church, he knows that there's going to be fallout in that church. Can I get an amen? That's why I ask you to pray for me all the time. So I know what his plans are. So I know that when temptation comes my way, the enemy's plans or what his road is, is he wants Bard Drace to follow down this road. Because he knows if I can get barred and shifted over here to walk down this road, I know eventually I can lead him into temptation. And I can cause him to fall. And if I can get him to fall, then I can bring fallout within the local body at Living Word in Ontario, New York. You don't think he doesn't have a plan? You don't think he doesn't want you to travel down? So here, here, here's what's funny. I'll give you a perfect example. I can remember as a youth pastor... I would drive, the, I, I have my CDL license. 
multi-talented. Okay. Uh, thank you. Uh, so I would, I'd have to have my CDL to drive the church bus. And we had this church bus that was like a Fred Flintstone type bus where the kids would have to stick their feet through the floorboard. We, literally, there was holes because you didn't have to get things inspected in South Carolina. Lord help us. I'm so glad we never died in that thing. But anyways, so I had this big blue bus and we'd drive to West Virginia on ski trips and stuff. And and uh, we'd have uh, take trips with the bus and stuff. So I would drive the bus. Well, there's this one road from Charleston, South Carolina, you take I-26 and you'd go through Columbia. Well, I can remember on this road going down one time, they have these huge billboards. And I remember one time going down and driving up, there was this huge sign for this gentleman's club with a half-naked lady on the billboard. And you could see all the boys in the bus going, <gasps> you know, all their heads are out the window as we go by this billboard. So I knew what mile marker it was at. I knew exactly mile, whatever, I think it was 26, mile marker 26, going to Columbia. There was this huge 8,000 foot by 8,000 foot billboard of a half-naked lady. So it was funny because I knew, because we, we, we drive it all the time. So here's the thing. There's the road going to Columbia. And I tell you what, if, if the enemy didn't use this as a tactic, he wanted me to look. He wanted all the boys to look on the bus. So what we would do is we almost made a joke out of it. We'd get there and I would yell on the bus, mile, whatever it was, mile 26. And I would make all the boys duck their heads down. And then I would have one of my youth workers look at me to make sure that I wouldn't look. So I said, okay, somebody's watching me, so you guys don't think, and we make a joke out of it. Now, here's a funny thing. Here's a funny, and we made it so I have all these, all these junior high boys going, you know, start praying now, boy. Start repenting now, get your head down. You know, so we'd make a joke out of it. So I can remember when I'd have to travel that road by myself, and I can remember driving down there, and the Lord was saying, okay, the devil's saying, okay, there's nobody in your bus now. What are you going to do now, Barden? You think you're so big now? You make all the junior high kids duck their heads. You make a youth worker watch you. Are you going to look now? And I can remember just knowing whether, and I can remember just keeping my eyes just like, Lord, give me strength because I don't want to look. Does my flesh want to look? You better believe it. But I look straight ahead and I say, God, you got to give me your Kratos power and I'm going to keep looking straight ahead, straight ahead, straight ahead, straight ahead. And I can remember that was a battle. You don't think that the enemy doesn't start there? People, come on. Because he knows his plans are this. If I can get Barden to look, I've got him off that straight and narrow, and now I've just shifted his course just enough. One degree, I've just shifted his course. So if I can get him to look here, now when he's on the Internet, I'll get him to look over here. Then I'll get him to look over here. Then I'll get him to look over a suit. Now I've got him going down this path where I know I can get him to completely fall. That's how it works. It can be a relationship with somebody at work of the opposite sex. I don't care what it is, people. The enemy wants to get you off the straight and narrow just to get you off one degree to get you on his road. And he'll use everything possible to get you to do that. And if you think you're going to defeat that in your own strength, come sit in my office with me for a couple of weeks and you can sit with the people that I counsel with that thought the exact same thing. You cannot win this war without the Kratos power of God. You cannot win this war without understanding his schemes. 
So I know when temptation comes, sometimes I just laugh now because I'm like, devil, you just, you, you think, come on. I'm not going to fall. I'm not going to fall for that because I know what your plans are. And that's why I ask you to pray for me. That's why we have to pray for one another because the only way we're going to win this battle is through God's power in our life. Amen. So this is such a good, good chapter. Everybody with me? Capiche? We're, we're together? Okay. Good. Okay. So what does he say? We, we understand the enemy's schemes. We understand that he is this traveler down a road. He knows exactly what direction that he wants to get us to go in. So the, the devil isn't somebody that needs to ask for directions. He knows exactly what direction he's going in, and he knows exactly what direction he wants to take you in, and he wants you to be lost in his plan and his road for you. And that's why Paul said, you've got to keep your mind open to me. I can remember when I was a teenager, my uh, grandparents had some land down the Bristol Hills, south end of Canandaigua Lake, gave it to my father when they got older, so we had this property. And one late night after work, working at Wendy's, told you, multi, multi-talented person here, <laughs> working at Wendy's, um, I was driving there, and, and I go, I'm going to take a shortcut. I think there's a faster way to get there. So it's like 12 o'clock at night, so I'm taking this shortcut, and this road, this you know, paved road went into this dirt road. And I'm like, okay, this can't be the right way, which went into this driveway, which ended up with a guy with no teeth carrying a shotgun telling me I had a pretty mouth. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm out of here. So, and there's banjo music playing in the background. You know, I mean, I just like, okay, I'm, I'm, I put it in reverse real fast and I sped out of there. But how many you know when it's so easy to get off course if our minds are not attuned on the Lord. How many you know what I'm talking about? It is so easy for us to get off course when we're not relying on the Kratos power of the Lord. And the problem is with me getting lost is I didn't plan it out well. I, I took a guess. It was not good and I got lost. It's not it's, it's, it's not smart getting in your car without a plan, with no sense of direction. Taking any road could lead you in the wrong direction with a guy with no teeth and a shotgun playing a banjo. Okay, so just listen. You've got to understand that the devil is on a road. He's with a road. He has a plan. He's not wasting time going down dead-end roads. He knows what his objective is to bring destruction, to kill, to steal, and destroy, and we need to be aware of those plans. We don't need to be obsessed with the devil, but we do need to know he does have a plan, and I need to have that power of the Lord in my life so when that temptation does come, I will be strong in the Lord to overcome that temptation. And so one of Satan's final destinations, and this is, what, this is where he wreaks havoc on many believers, if we're not careful, his final destination, the road he goes down, it ends up in our mind. This is where we are defeated. So we need to be aware of the things that I'm feeding my mind on. Because the, the, the enemy knows that if he can get your mind, he'll get your heart. Isn't it interesting that the Lord works just the opposite? Jesus grabs your heart, and then it changes the way you think. The devil just does the opposite. He knows what he can get your mind feasting on, 
then he knows eventually it's going to make a stronghold in your heart to where you can't overcome it. Everybody with me? Works just the opposite. So we need to be aware of his plan. So if you don't believe me, let's read a scripture here. Okay, let's, let's look at 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6. What does it say here? Paul speaking again. He says, for though we walk in the flesh, once again, like he echoes here in, in, in Ephesians 6, he says, we're not waging war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are of what? Are not of the flesh, but we have divine power that, 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 that supernatural power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion that raised against the knowledge of God and to take every thought into captive, into captivity to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when, you're, when your obedience is complete. So what is Paul saying here? He says the enemy uses wrong thinking to create a stronghold in your life that leads to a defeated life. Wrong thinking can come from our flesh or can originate from the enemy or the devil himself. So what Paul is saying here is we need to take every thought and line it up with the word of God. So when something pops in your mind, whether it's confusion or guilt or condemnation, I want you to understand that is not from Christ. Christ doesn't guilt you into doing anything. There is the conviction of the Holy Spirit that will speak to your heart to say that you are not in line with God's word. And thank God for the voice of the Holy Spirit in our life that protects us, that comforts us, that keeps us from making wrong decisions. But, but what happens here is the enemy will use this confusion, this guilt, this condemnation that's not from Christ because the battlefield is within your mind. Okay, what does he do? Here's what happens. Have you guys ever had thoughts like this? Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are going to church today? I know what you thought about last week. I know what you did. And you're going to go to church? And you're going to sing those songs? And you're going to look like a big, stinking phony. Ever had those thoughts? We're all here. I know y'all have. I have too. You're no good. You're a fake. You'll never be what Christ wants you to be. You're not smart enough. You're not thin enough. You're a loser. Straight, can I just say one thing? I'm going to cuss. I'm going to swear, but it's a biblical swearing. Straight from the pit of hell. That's what that is. And that's what Satan uses to destroy your mind and to take your mind off the power of God that you are a new creation in Christ. And what he does is, I believe that's one of his greatest schemes is to bring self-doubt, to make you not believe that you are worthy in Christ and to cause you to live in defeat. This thinking can come from your past, the way you were treated as a child. It can come from abuse, maybe from an abusive marriage, maybe from a parent. I don't know what it comes from, but the enemy can use these strongholds in your mind that you will never be good enough let me stress this again and again and again. This is not from Christ. 
In Christ, you are a new creation. Christ will never leave us or forsake us. Nothing can separate us from his love. Let me say this. For all of you that were abused, for all of you who feel like you could never measure up, for all of you who never felt tall enough or thin enough or good looking enough, welcome to the body of Christ. He says, you come just as you are. And I will place my identity into your life. Not the way the world thinks you should be, but the way I created you to be. And God doesn't create junk. You are his creation. You were created in the image of God. Yes, we are all marred by sin, but Jesus through his death took care of that for us that we could now be in right relationship with him and the identity of Christ could now be stamped in our life. But the problem is, for many believers, they think, well, once I become a follower of Christ, I'm not going to have to deal with all that junk from my past. Oh, yes, you will. Because the enemy is going to try to bring that up to defeat you from from who you are and, and, and what Christ desires you to be in your life. So, We are all messed up one way or another, and we all have dysfunctions, okay? The bottom line is this. We all need a Savior. There is no perfect church for this reason because it's full of people. And I can remember talking to somebody not too long ago that attended our church, and I just remember telling them, man, I miss you. Why don't you come to church? You know, and they're just saying, I just don't feel like I, I fit in. What do you mean by that? I don't know. I just, you know, there were just a lot of self-doubt and I tried to encourage this person to let them know that Christ loved them and they haven't forgotten about them and and just try to love on them. I I think the hardest thing for Christians is so many times we either we don't fit in or, you know, we just don't feel like, you know, does God really love me? You know, with all my dysfunctions and all the junk in my past, can God really use me for his purposes? You know, and then, and then we try to please God by, by being successful and, and trying to do all these things. And God says, I don't care about that stuff. See, the bottom line is we need a Savior. So here's the thing. Let me finish with this. Here's the thing. How do we break that stronghold of our past? Because some of you here today, I'm telling you, I, I, for some reason, this was a crummy week for me. Not that it wasn't a great, it was a sunny week and it was a great week, but spiritually, this was a tough week for me. I don't know why, but I just, all this stuff from my past was flooding my mind and I'm like, what is going, I couldn't sleep, I was waking up early and um, I write these messages well in advance. I'm about about eight weeks ahead of my messages and I just, I'm a message pumping machine. I get on a thing and I'm like, Lord, if it comes, I'm just going to work because I'm not like a writer where it's, sometimes they just don't come to me. And when it's coming to me, I say, I'm going to write, 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 write. And so as I was looking through my notes again, I'm like, oh my goodness. I know exactly why I'm going through the garbage I'm going through today because that's exactly what I'm going to be speaking on on Sunday. And I'm like, enemy, devil, man, are you serious? I'm telling you, it was a hard week spiritually. I mean, stuff I've never thought about in years were coming into my mind. And I was getting defeated to the point where I'm like, man, oh my goodness, just waking up early. And I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what I had to do. I had to listen to my own sermon. 
I need to do that every week, by the way, but I had to listen to my own message. And as I was reading through the message, I was like, this is what I forgot to do. And this is the reason why I felt defeated or I felt down this week or I felt discouraged because of my past. I felt the same thing. Well, who, who do you think you are, Brian? You, you, you think you should be a pastor telling these people how to live when, when you've struggled with these things in your past or you have to overcome these things? See, all these things can flood into our mind to try to defeat us in who we are in Christ. Here's the thing. How do we defeat or break that stronghold of our past? Here it is. Are you ready? We need to learn to encourage our... I know this is simple, but this will help you. This will set you free. We need to learn to encourage ourselves in the Lord. And so what I began to do is I woke up early those mornings. I was... um, you know, doing my devotions, reading through the Bible. And, and uh, man, I just, I, thought, I just felt God's Holy Spirit come on me. It was incredible. I was running around the block like I normally do. I run because I want to eat. So I, I, my motto is, I run, therefore I can eat. I don't lose any weight, but I just run so I can eat. So I'm running around, and um, and, and, and the Lord just... You know, I've got all these songs in my in my um, you know my iPod, and there's just one song I used to love when I was old song. A lot of years ago, it was written. It's just a simple song, and the Lord directed me to that song as I was as, as I was walking our dog Mopsy. After I run, she always wants me to walk her, and she's waiting in the window and take me for a walk, take me for a walk. So I'm taking it and I'm listening to this one song. It's a simple song called More of Jesus. And I just began to listen to that song and I just began to weep for the Lord. And God, just, I just felt like, like the Lord put his arm right around me and just said, Lord, I'm with you. I'm going to give you my power. I'm going to give you my strength. And... Uh, there's nothing that the enemy can do that could ever defeat you. I am with you. Some of you need to hear that word today. And here's how you encourage yourself in the Lord. I need to continue to learn this as, as I grow in my walk with the Lord, as you grow in your walk with the Lord. But here's, here's how you learn this. We've got to learn to become worshipers of God. Because when you learn to truly worship God and encourage yourself in the Lord through worship music, through reading God's word, when you learn to do that, it, 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 it deadens the voice of the enemy speaking to you. Because sometimes what we do is we get so concentrated on our past and what we've done or the wrong things I've done, it deadens the voice of God in our life. So then we try to think to ourselves, well, how am I going to work this thing out? How am I going to do this? I'm going to worry and fret about these things, and that's exactly what the enemy wants you to do. But instead, you deaden the voice of the enemy by worshiping God and becoming worshipers of her and encouraging yourself in the word of God. And when you learn to become a worshiper of God, the voice of the enemy becomes less and less and less. This is what I love what the Apostle Paul says. He says, He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's anything that's excellent, if there's anything that's worthy of praise, think about these things. And what you have learned and received and heard and have seen in me, practice these things 
and the God of peace will be with you. Does that mean we, do, does that mean we still don't remember the past? Sure. I mean, that, I wish God could just blank that. But yeah, we still have to live with the regrets of our past. But the difference is that's covered under the blood of Christ and his forgiveness. And now I can find the peace of God in my life so I can now identify with Christ and realize that only through Christ I can find strength and power in my living each and every day. So let me just do this as we close. Let me just give you a couple practical things to help you when you go through those times. So this is what I do. Um, this is what I do to encourage myself in the Lord. Are you ready? Here's some just practical, stupid, barden encouragement tips, one-on-one tips for you to help you when you're discouraged in the Lord. When I'm discouraged in the Lord, what I do is I have this encouragement file. I'm not lying. When you guys write me a letter of encouragement, I keep it. And what I do is when I go through discouraging times, I feel like I'm the worst pastor in the world and I need to resign tomorrow, you know, which, you know, I always resign every Monday. But anyways, and then I, then I wake up, you know. Um, um, I, I go through that file and I read the letters that you've written me and it encourages me. It just lifts me up and it just, it just puts me on the right track. So here's what I do. As I receive those encouraging letters, what I do is I made this uh, uh, a practice in my life. When I get an encouraging letter, it reminds me to encourage someone else. So don't, even don't wait for a letter from someone. Just encourage somebody. During the week, what I want you to do this week is I want you to encourage somebody. Because what that does is it's a way of worshiping God. When you encourage somebody else... What you're doing is you're taking the thoughts off yourself and the discouragement of yourself and you're going to turn it over and give it to somebody else. So what I want you to do this week, just think of somebody that maybe has touched your heart or maybe a teacher at your school, maybe, maybe, just a, uh, maybe someone that just serves you coffee every morning, the person in the drive through window at McDonald's that serves you coffee every morning and they do a good job and they get it right every time. You know, I get, when I go through... Uh, McDonald's, sometimes I usually get unsweet tea, but sometimes I just want a little, a little something, something in there. Sugar, I mean, okay? Jeez. Sugar, a little bit of sugar. So I go, could, could you make it like, you know, three quarters unsweet and, and just a little sweet? And the, and the lady, the three, oh, yeah, yeah. And so you just go around and say, you know, thank you. Made, you know, I take a sip and I go, man, you made that perfect. Thank you for doing that for me. Just encourage somebody. Um, make that a practice because what that does is it ends up blessing you in return. So be an encouragement to somebody else. And then, and, and so learn to do, whether it's through a letter or an email or texting or, or Facebook, however you want, whatever means of media that makes you feel comfortable. If you want to do it through snail mail, then do it through the postal system. I don't care how you do it, but encourage somebody this week. And I, I guarantee this will make you feel better. Um, uh, I think it would help you with a lot of the emptiness that can occur in our life. Um, and so focus on, on these good things. And, and I believe when you do that, you, you, you just you bless the Lord and, and, you, and you honor him. Um, here's another thing that, 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 that you need to do. For those of you that, that battle with that, feeling alone many times, because we all go through those times where we feel alone or we feel like we're not doing a good enough job as a Christian and we feel like we let the, let the Lord down. Listen, Get involved in a small group.
group. Take that next step. Whether when we've got all we've got Sunday school, we've got, you know, Ira mentioned the men's prayer group on Thursday mornings at six thirty. We've got fourteen, fifteen, sixteen guys that meet. That's awesome. I love I love that group of men. Um, we've got a group for those of you that have struggled with your past called the way out that the Sylvesters run. That's a great, we've got information on, on that in the information table. Those of you are battling with your past thoughts and trying to overcome junk in your life. That small group is wonderful, really digs into the word of God. We've got lady, lady Bible studies that, that happen in the fall and the winter and the spring. Listen, get involved in the small group because that will encourage you. When you get with other people and you share your request and you share your prayer request, there's going to be people that will stand with you and help you through those difficult times. And you'll formulate friendships close friendships with other people that will encourage you and help you in your walk to realize that you're not the only one going through difficult things in your life. There are other people that have either gone through the same thing or are going through it that you can encourage each other in the Lord. Listen, the one thing the enemy wants you to do is to isolate yourself. And we can see that on the plains of Africa. When the lion's crouching, remember the Bible says the 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 devil's a roaring lion seeking whom, whom he may devour. Who does the lion devour first? The one that leaves the pack. The one that's, that, that is not with the group and gets off on its own. It's much easier prey than when that animal is with a whole group of other animals. When he gets alone and it gets hurt and it gets injured, that's who the lions pounce on first. So the minute you pull yourself away from fellowship and you pull yourself out of the church and, and you immerse yourself in your own pain, guess what? The enemy's right there and he's going to pounce on you because he knows you're isolated and you're alone and, and you don't have that core of people around you that are going to pray for you and lift you up and encourage you during yourself. And, and do this. Just learn to encourage yourself in the Lord, just say, God, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to tell you everything I'm feeling. I'm going to tell you that I'm down, that I'm depressed, that, that I'm going through all this stuff, but I'm going to encourage myself in you because I know you're faithful. I know you're with me. I know you're not going to leave me. I know you love me. I know that nothing can separate me from, from your love, which is in Christ Jesus. So I'm just going to seek your face at this time. And, and if there's a song that you liked, then play that song a million times until you get it. That's going to encourage you in the Lord. I'm telling you, the enemy just picks people off one by one by one by one. And I hate when I see people leave the church. Not, not that people don't leave the church and maybe go to another fellowship, but leave the church and then don't come back. Because I know the enemy's going to have a field day when that happens. Amen. So let's pray. I'm gonna, I want to pray for you this morning. And we're, gonna, we're just going to finish by just singing under the Lord, but I want to I pray for you today. I want you to bow your heads today and just, just you know, let's pray. I want to pray for you today. How many of you, as your heads are bowed, would just be honest with me this morning and say, you know, Pastor Barden, I've been struggling a little bit with that, what you've been talking about today. I have to admit, I'm struggling with some of that stuff and encouraging myself in the Lord and not feeling that you know, that may, am I really being used by God? And I, I'm just, I'm struggling with it. I, I have to admit, I, w- I want to pray for you today. and Just let the Lord encourage, encourage you today. I want you to know that you're, you're not alone, that uh, you're here for a reason today. And I just want to tell you that Jesus loves you. And encourage yourself today as we worship him today. Amen. You're not alone. 
You're not alone. I'm going to buy the raised hand and say, Pastor, that's me today. I just, I just need to be encouraged today. Amen. Many of you. Amen. That's okay. Good. You're admit, not admitting it to me. You're admitting it to the Lord. You're saying, God, this is where my heart is today. And uh, I'm just going to give it to you today. And, and I, I just want to be encouraged in you today. And, and, and may the Lord lift you up. So, God, I just pray that you would lift your people up today as we worship you. And you would encourage them. And God, I pray that you would uh, encourage them to take the next step and however you want them to do that today. And you would just pour out your love upon us, God, as we turn our hearts to you. Thank you, Lord, that you're our God today, that you're our Savior, that our power doesn't come from ourselves, but it comes from God. So give us that Kratos power today to defeat the schemes and the methods of the enemy, which we understand are futile. We understand that they have no power within themselves. We only give them the power that he wants to give us. But Lord, we know that in you we are great. In you we have your Holy Spirit. We have that same power that raised Jesus from the dead. It lives in us today. So encourage your people today, I pray. And uh, Lord, we thank you for, for your word and we thank you for your grace today. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I want you to stand and listen. Today as we sing this song, if, uh, if you feel so led this morning, want to come up and just pray at the altars and bow at the altars and just pray or however you want to work it out with, with God, then, then you pray, come to the altars and pray and just let God touch your heart in the way he is. Just kind of seal it with God today. Say, God, I'm going to lay these things at your feet today. I'm not going to carry them and just encourage yourself in Christ today. So if you feel so led to come to the altars today and pray as we sing this, and by all means they're open, and I would just encourage you to do that. Amen? God is good? Amen? Let's sing. Let's sing unto him this morning. God bless you.
There's a great song you can encourage yourself in during the week. Amen. What a great song. God bless you. Lord, thank you for your word today. And God, we just want to encourage ourselves in you. And just like the words of those songs, Lord, you take us out of the ashes. You place us in Christ. And you are greater, God. Our God is greater than any situation we face, any trial that may come before us. Our God is greater. So encourage us here today, God, as we go in your grace. We go in your power now. And we just want to give Jesus all the glory. We love you today. And we thank you that you're with us, God. And you'll never leave us or forsake us. And you're with us to the ends of the earth. And so we appreciate that, Lord. And we thank you for your word. And we just want to know that we love you, Lord. And we just want to do your will. And we just ask these things in your good name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Praise God. Hey, listen, before you go. If uh, any of you need prayer today for anything, our prayer partners will be up front and we'll pray with you, any needs that you may have. Otherwise, go in God's grace. Enjoy your hot dogs. God bless you. Amen. <laughs>